Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello everyone, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds with Bible Truth for Living. Today we are in Genesis chapter 13, and today's teaching is titled, Lot's Choice. Now, let me set the the stage of what's going on in Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 12 begins with the Abrahamic covenant, where God tells Abraham, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to make a great nation out of you, all nations of the world will be blessed uh, by you. And uh, then pretty soon we see a lapse in the faith of Abram as there is a famine in Israel in the promised land. Of course, at that time, it wasn't called Israel yet. It would be. But it's the promised land, the land of Canaan. And so Abram makes a bad decision. He takes his family down to Egypt. He lies to Pharaoh there and tells him that uh, his wife, Sarah, is actually his sister, which was a half-truth. She was a half-sister. But nevertheless, it caused a lot of problems. Pharaoh uh, forces him to leave, and he has a bad reputation then with Pharaoh from then on. He returns to the land of Canaan with Sarah and with his nephew Lot. And uh, so as time goes by, Abram and Lot are both blessed. They have a lot of things, a lot of stuff, and it actually begins to cause some problems uh, between uh, the two of them and then also the people who were under them, their herdsmen, what you might think of as their employees. And so Abram decides one day, we've got to do something about this. And so he tells Lot, I want us to look over all the land that's surrounding us here. And Lot, you choose whatever you want, and you take it, and I'll take what's left. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Or if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. So we don't argue, and we don't have any of these problems. And we're going to pick it up there in Genesis chapter 13, beginning in verse 10. And the Bible says, And Lot lifted up his eyes, and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Now again, Abram and Lot have a lot of stuff between the two of them. This stuff was causing stress between Abram and Lot and causing strife between their herdsmen. Abram initiates this plan. He allows Lot to choose one direction to go, and Abram would take the other. Now, they're likely on a peak overlooking the entire plain of Jordan. From here at this vantage point, they can see all of their tents, their herds, their flocks, and also all of the land that was available. And so it comes time for Lot to make his choice. And what I want us to look at is not simply what Lot chooses, but why he chose what he chose. The reason I say that is we need to learn a lesson from this. You see, life is filled with choices. We make hundreds of choices every day. You made a choice to tune into this program. Uh, We make choices. Sometimes we don't think about them so much. We choose uh, what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat, those sort of things. Some choices are more important than others. 
but we make hundreds of thousands of choices throughout a lifetime. And I want us to see why Lot made the choices he made in this particular situation, and maybe we can learn how to avoid making some of the similar mistakes in our choices in life. The first thing I want to draw our attention to is in verse 10, as we see Lot was worldly in his desires in that he was moved by his eyes. He was moved by the physical senses. The Bible says there again in verse 10 of Genesis 13, and Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. Now, they are overlooking the area surrounding the Dead Sea in Israel. If you have been there before, you know that this is not a very beautiful portion of Israel. I've been there before, and it is desert land. It's arid. Uh, the Dead Sea itself is not beautiful. In fact, the, the water there uh, kind of smells, and it's oily to the touch. Uh, it's a lot of lime deposits, salt deposits. Nothing really grows there. But at that time, it was lush with fresh water and plant life. We know that because verse 10 tells us it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So after is when it began to look like it does even today. Uh, and so it was well watered. It was a beautiful area. And Lot was making his decision based on his physical senses and what he saw. It looked like it was going to be a good decision. It looked like a place that he should choose uh, to go to. But remember, not everything that looks good is always best for us. When we make decisions just simply based on our physical senses, what looks good, um, sounds good, isn't always the best for us. You take two young people who decide to get married. If they get married simply based on the fact of looks and physical attraction, they don't understand that those things are deceiving. Number one, someone can be beautiful on the outside and ugly on the inside. That's the truth. But also looks and physical attraction are deteriorating by the moment. You're not going to be 20 forever. You're not going to be 25 forever. We age. And if you have married someone just for the physical attraction, you're going to be sadly disappointed. You find out that that person has a lot of flaws because we all do. You know, that same thing applies in spending money. How many of us have spent money unwisely because something looked good? Maybe it's a house, maybe a car, and it ended up being a lemon or a bad investment. So, you know, just because something looks good to the senses and to the flesh doesn't always mean it's the best for you. Lot was moved by what his eyes saw. Now, I want us to understand this. As a believer, we can look at things from one of two ways. We can look at things from the natural way or the fleshly way or in a spiritual sense, the spiritual way. Now, the unbeliever does not have that choice. The unbeliever just is moved by the physical senses, and that's it. But once we are saved, we have the flesh to deal with and the spirit, and we must choose which one we are going to let be the leader, the flesh or the spirit. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. Let me read that to you. Here's what it says. For they that are after the flesh, that means that you, that's what you follow after, that's how you make your decisions, do mind the things of the flesh. If, if you live after the flesh, you're going to pursue fleshly things. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. So again, you've got this dual nature and, and, and you can either go after the flesh or the spirit. For to be carnally minded, that means fleshly minded, earthly minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal, the fleshly mind is enmity against God. That word enmity means it's, it's a, a divided thing. It's division against God. 
For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You see, beloved, whenever we make decisions simply based on our physical senses, that doesn't please God because all we're doing is we're looking at it from a physical standpoint and not the spiritual. And we'll talk more about that as this teaching goes on. But I want us to see, first of all, when verse 10 says, Lot lifted up his eyes, he is looking at this simply through his senses and what he sees. Not only that, but he is motivated by his experiences. Verse 10 continues to tell us that this plain of Jordan was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord. Well, that's a reference to the garden of Eden, like the land of Egypt as thou comest into Zoar. Now, this land of Egypt, remember that Abram had taken his family down to Egypt, but here was a mistake in that, of, of several mistakes, is that it exposed his family to the world. And Lot found something about Egypt that appealed to him. He was exposed to the worldly beauty and lifestyle of Egypt, and it it really was an attractive thing to him. So when they left Egypt, he still had that rooted in his heart. Now, it mentions Zoar there, and Zoar was a busy trading center in the area that Lot would later uh, escape to when God's judgment would fall on Sodom and Gomorrah. But what I want us to see here is he was motivated by past experience. When we expose ourselves or our family to things of the world, we've got to look out because we're feeding the flesh, and that experience can then later on be something that becomes a an addiction or a habit by being exposed to that. Abram had exposed Lot to the worldly desires of Egypt, and so now he is anxious for that. He has a, a taste of that, a desire for that. And then something else in his decision-making that we see in his worldly desires is that Lot was managed by his emotions. Now, Lot probably had lost some of his reverent respect for Abram after this incident in Egypt. And what he should have done when Abram said, look, you choose where you want to go, he should have said, no, uh, Uncle Abram, you choose. You're the older person here. You're the one that's the reason for my success. God's the one that made a covenant with you. You choose. But he doesn't do that. He seizes on this opportunity, and his character is revealed. His selfish nature is revealed because he's moved by his emotions. When Uncle Abram says, take what you want, you choose the land, boy, it just begin to swell up in him. And boy, this is a great opportunity. His emotions are in charge. If you are driven by your emotions, boy, you're going to make bad choices. You're going to make bad decisions because it's it's that impulse, the impulse of the emotions that causes poor decisions. I can picture Lot as he looks over the land and maybe now he thinks he's sort of a big businessman. He's got his chest stuck out and his arms folded and he's looking over this land to make a decision and considering his options. But as he does that, we find something else out about Lot and that is that he was weak in his decision making. We see this in verse 11 because, first of all, he did not consider his faith. The Bible says in verse 11, Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. Who's he choosing for here? Well, he's choosing for himself. Lot chose him for himself all the plain of Jordan. He does not ask God for direction. He doesn't say, Uncle Abram, let's pray about it. Let's seek God's will in this matter. He doesn't say, let's build an altar to worship. Uh, nothing like that at all. He chooses out of self-interest without consulting God. 
And let's not be too difficult on him because if we're honest with ourselves, we've all done that at, at some time or another. We've made a decision because of something we wanted. We didn't consider our faith in God and what God would want. But then once we make the choice and it's a bad one, what's the first thing we do? We say, God, get me out of this. God, I need you to fix this. Well, would it not have been wise to maybe seek God's will and God's counsel before getting into that situation? Well, Lot doesn't do that. He, he doesn't consider his faith. The second thing he doesn't consider is that he does not consider his future. Verse 11 continues and says one simple little phrase, and Lot journeyed east. Now, why is that important? Well, many times in scripture, going east represents moving away from the will of God and toward the world. He's living for the here and now. This looks like a good opportunity now. He is uh, thinking, I'm going to get out from under Uncle Abram. I can do business with whomever I want to do business with whenever I want to. He thinks he's free, but it's all a trap. And that reminds me of a young person, you know, that maybe they're, they're out of high school and they think, well, I want to get out from under these rules of mom and dad and I want to make my own choices only to find out that it's a trap. Those choices you think are going to be so easy can end up harming you as a young person because you're not thinking of the future. You're just living for the here and now. And uh, that can sure get us into a mess of trouble. So he is weak in his decisions. He doesn't consider his faith. He doesn't consider his future. And then he sure doesn't consider his young family. Now, he's not thinking, should I raise my kids here? Uh, How is this going to affect my wife? Now, we're going to find those things out soon enough. But right now, what I want us to know is that Lot is making his decisions based on finances rather than family. He is thinking this is a great business decision for me. He is more concerned about where to raise his cattle than where to raise his kids. His kids at this point were very young. They were young children. But what an effect this is going to have on them as as this story continues on through Genesis chapter 19. Listen, beloved, we need to understand when we make a decision, it's not just about us, especially if you are married and you have children. It's going to affect the entire family, and the entire family here is going to be affected by this situation. And then we see also there in verse 11, it says, and they separated themselves the one from another. You know, there are times when you finally have to just separate yourself in order for there to be peace. I think you should try to make peace. Let's say it's in a at a workplace or school or church or family. But if there is just no peace to be made, there finally has to be a separation take place. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18, as much as lieth within you, uh, live peaceably with all men. With every ounce of energy you can, live at peace. But if if it comes to a time when there's just no peaceable situation, and that's how it was with Abram and Lot, there was just no no way to make peace other than to separate. Sometimes that separation must take place. And so they have separated. But the third thing I want us to see is that Lot was witless about his destination. Listen to verse 12. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, that's the promised land, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. Now, where Lot begins in this story will not be where he ends up. Before this story is all over, we know that Mrs. Lot will turn into a pillar of salt. Remember, they were told, don't look back at the destruction, and she turned to look back, and she turns into a pillar of salt. Not only that, but 
Lot will then commit the awful sin of incest with his two daughters. They get him drunk. He impregnates both of them, and they give birth to his sons, which are actually grandsons. And if that's not twisted enough, these boys will produce offspring, offspring rather, that will become great enemies of Israel. You see, sin is often revealed through a process. We call it sometimes the falling into sin, but no one really just falls into sin. Sin's always a process. And we see this clearly in the life of Lot. You see, Lot begins by being tempted by Sodom. Again, in verse 10, he lifts up his eyes and beholds the plain of Jordan, which is where Sodom was. But it doesn't end with the temptation because the next thing we know, verse 12 says that he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Now, now he's not only tempted by Sodom, but now he's toward Sodom. Now, he's not there yet. I think that's because he knows he has reservations about it. He wants to be close enough to take advantage of the economic benefits without taking up the cultural behavior. And he thinks if I just get maybe toward Sodom, I can balance it all out. But it doesn't stop there because then later on in chapter 14, we find he is in Sodom. He goes to Sodom. Verse 12 says, and they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods and departed. So he's tempted by Sodom. He pitches his tent toward Sodom. And then it's not long until he has gone to Sodom and he's living there. And as he is living there, he's beginning to get more and more comfortable with the culture and with the lifestyle of Sodom. Now, we all do that. Think about this world. Think of the things we are comfortable with now that we used to not be. Things that are on our televisions, even on commercials and, and sitcoms that before we would have been embarrassed about. Now it doesn't bother us much. Why? Because we've been exposed so much that we become comfortable. But it doesn't end there. The next thing we see is that he is tied to Sodom because in chapter 19 and verse 1, the Bible says, and there came two angels to Sodom at evening and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. Now he's actually a part of the city. Sitting in the gate means that he had some sort of position in that town. Maybe he was on the city council or a governing board, whatever it was. He's not in opposition. He's in compliance with the entire culture. It all started with temptation and it ends up being tied to Sodom. And boy, it does a number on he and his family. The last thing I want us to look at is the fourth thing. And that is that Lot was wrong in his dealings. In uh, chapter 13, again in verse 13, the Bible says, But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. That phrase, before the Lord, means that they did it right in the face of God. They were not embarrassed by it. They were not shameful about it. They were outright blatantly sinning in front of God. And it says they sinned exceedingly. Now, was Lot aware of this? Well, of course he was. He, he knew that. He knew that from the time he was tempted till he ends up being in some sort of leadership there. But he embraced it anyway. Uh, you know, I, I, I hate to even bring this up, but, but I'm going to because it needs to be said. This month, as we're concluding the month of June, has been called Pride Month in America. It's a celebration of the sin of homosexuality, and it's, it's becoming more prevalent in our culture all of the time. But homosexuality, we think of that as the sin of Sodom. That was just a product of the foundational sin. The foundational sin of Sodom was pride. 
It's a shame that we call this Pride Month lifting up the sin of pride. Pride was the first sin ever committed. Lucifer committed the sin of pride in heaven whenever he said, I'll ascend to the throne of God, I'll be like God, and it got him cast out, uh, cast out of heaven. But I want you to hear this from Ezekiel chapter 16 because we see the sin of Sodom here. In Ezekiel chapter 16, the Bible is referencing the city of Samaria in Israel and comparing it to the ancient city of Sodom that we see in, in the book of Genesis. And the Bible says in Ezekiel 16 verse 49, Behold, this was the iniquity, the word iniquity means the lawlessness, the sinfulness of thy sister Sodom, all right, the sister city. He says, here was the sin. Pride was number one. They became a very proud people. Pride led to fullness of bread, that's prosperity, and abundance of idleness. That means they didn't want to work. Idleness was in her and her daughters. Neither did, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. They began to neglect those people. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Committing the abomination there is referring to homosexuality. It began with pride and prosperity. It ended up with this illicit behavior and lifestyle. And God says, therefore, I took them away as I saw good. The foundational sin of Sodom was pride, and that is who Lot is dealing with. We see this today. Uh, we see this lifestyle of, of the homosexuality and this, this movement in America today. Now, here, here's what is a challenge for us in the 21st century church. How do we deal with this? How do we handle this? Well, I think, number one, we must be kind and courteous and show the love of Jesus. Every one of us are sinners, okay? So we must show the love of Jesus. We must be courteous. At the same time, since we believe in the Word of God and we stand on the truth of God's Word, we cannot confirm, condone, or celebrate their sinful lifestyle. We just can't do that uh, any more than we could confirm and, and condone and celebrate any type of sin. Uh, that goes for things like affirming pronouns and genders and names and all this stuff. Truth is paramount. We must stand on truth. There must be a, a, a standing of truth somewhere. And when truth is broken down, anything goes. And it begins to be the crumbling of any society. You can see it throughout world history. That is what happens. And that is the consequences of those things. Now, the last thing I want to share with you today is some ask the question, was Lot a believer? After all, I mean, he is tempted by Sodom. He pitches his tent towards Sodom. He ends up living in Sodom. And then he ends up in some sort of leadership role in Sodom. Was Lot saved? Was he a believer? Well, surprisingly, the answer is yes. All right. He was a believer. And uh, the Bible, in fact, calls him uh, righteous Lot, just Lot. Um, and it's hard to imagine how can this guy be just? How can he be righteous? Well, it was because of his faith in God. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll read this to you. The Bible says in Second Peter 2 and verse 6, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. The experience of Sodom and Gomorrah should be a lesson for America today. We have that to, to refer to. And delivered just Lot. That means he was just in that God had seen him as a, as a just man, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. He was a believer, but he exposed himself to the lifestyle and characteristics of that culture. For that righteous man, speaking of Lot, dwelling among them, 
in there in Sodom, in seeing and hearing, he, he saw things, he heard things that he should not have exposed himself to. He vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. You see, he exposed himself to that, and yet the Bible says he was righteous. Now, you say, how in the world is that? Well, because Lot had two main choices in life that you and I have. We have two main choices. Number one, and the most important choice, is the choice between heaven or hell. Now, Lot had chose heaven over hell when he followed Abram, leaving the earth of the Chaldees and going to the promised land. That showed that he was a believer. He believed in God. He follows Abram to the promised land. So between heaven and hell, he made the right choice. He made the choice of heaven. But here's the second choice we have, and that is the choice between heaven and earth. Many people have made the choice of heaven over hell, but not as many have made the choice of heaven over earth. What do I mean by that? What I mean is this. Lot made his choice of earth over heaven when he went towards Sodom. A believer, yes, he had chosen heaven. He was a believer in God. But when it come to really being a follower of God, he was weak in that area. I believe there is a difference in a believer and a disciple. Now, that's just me. I think there is a difference. A believer, the Bible clearly states, if you're going to go to heaven, you must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. A disciple is one who patterns their life after Christ. They make Jesus the Lord of their life. They they want to live for him. Do they sin? Yeah. But they quickly uh, confess that sin. They get back into fellowship. They go to church, read their Bible. They pray. They, they do these things, not in order to be saved, but because they are saved and want to have a good uh, fellowship with God, and they want to be a good disciple. A believer is one that they've trusted Christ as their Savior, but they just don't grow. They, they, they hardly attend church. They don't read their Bible much. They don't pray. Now, the good news is, are they going to heaven? Yeah, but they won't have any rewards. Uh, the Bible talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, being saved though as by fire. I always think of that as being saved by the skin of your teeth, uh, but not really having anything to show for it. And so Lot, will he be in heaven? I believe so, but I don't believe he'll, he will have rewards, and I don't believe he'll have much to show uh, because he was very weak in his following of the Lord. I think there are some lessons there that we can apply to our own lives. Thank you for listening today. Don't forget, we're not only on the radio on Sunday mornings, but you can uh, go to your favorite podcast host and look up the Bible Truth Podcast with Tim Reynolds, and you can download these messages and listen to them at any time on, at your convenience. Thank you for listening. Thank you to those who support us financially as well to help us stay on the air and to have these podcasts that are available. And I look forward to being with you again next Sunday. Until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois 62864. Thank you for listening.